Ghana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. So we're continuing this half hour taking a look at the work of the National Lotteries Commission and this conversation is brought to you in partnership with the NLC. And joining us today is Dr. Cleve Robertson, who is the CEO of the National Sea Rescue Institute. That's the NSRI. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Robertson, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Robertson. Can you hear me? I can. You can carry on. Yes, yes. I've got you on the line now. We seem to have a bit of uh, difficulty just kicking it off there. Thank you so much uh, for being part of this conversation. And I suppose, you know, one of the things, of course, is to try and and raise awareness about the work that is done by uh, the National Lotteries Commission, but also, uh, you know, encourage other NGOs out there to be able to apply and, and, and make submissions in terms of accessing some of the funding that is well available. Tell us about your particular organization, the NSRI. In fact, often we see you guys involved in all sorts of rescue missions that uh, take place. Yeah, you won't miss the red and yellow boats every weekend (laughs) or every day, in fact, out there, you know, on their missions. So, I mean, our mission in South Africa is to save lives on South African waters, so both, you know, inland and at the sea. Uh, and we do that through two broad programs. One is the Maritime Rescue Program. Obviously, all those little red and yellow boats, or sometimes not so little boats that you see, you know, going out on rescues. But then we also have a, a really big drowning prevention program that we run uh, through schools, which, uh, you know, in 2019, we got to about 600,000 children in that year. And we started a survival swimming program, so which is just to teach children, you know, very basic swimming skills if they fall in the water how to get to the side mm-hmm. so very broadly that's our kind of objective we've been running for you know almost 54 years now uh, and really it's a strategic service for the south african community we are the kind of safety net for a whole bunch of activities and in industries across south africa whether it's fishing or shipping or tourism you know the, the rescue services that we provide are safety net for all those activities as an MPO, it can be quite hard sometimes to raise monies in order to be able to fund your operations. Tell us a bit more about how you've been able to do this over the years. So, as you indicate, you know, raising money, it's not a passive activity. It requires mm. a lot of activity, you know, effort um, to, raise, to raise certainly the, the quantum of money that we have to raise every year. And you need a, a really diverse range of fundraising activities, so from events to legacies and requests, you know, corporate fundraising. And then obviously, the, you know, in relation to the National Lotteries Commission, the, the lottery, they provide you with an opportunity to run lotteries. And we run two lottery competitions, one through a debit order competition uh, where people can win, you know, 10,000 rand a month, and then a car competition where at the end of the year you can win two Mitsubishi cars. So, you know, the lottery provides that facility and guides you, you know, in that kind of activity. So, and in fact, at the moment, those lotteries, you know, raise most of our funds. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how the uh, fundraising lottery schemes work. So, um, we we run a, a debit order competition. So, we offer people tickets which they buy for 25 rand a month Mm. and then they go into a draw every month for a 10,000 rand prize and every month we give away 50,000 rand of those 10,000 rand prizes and then at the end of the year we have one in December we draw a 100,000 rand prize for for that competition 
And for the car competition, it's a, a year-long um, lottery, so they buy car tickets or you know, entry tickets during the year. And at the end of the year, they get put into a draw, and, and there's one winner of, of two cars, and then there's some cash prizes and a holiday prize along with that. So there's three prizes at the end of that lottery. Mm. And and what what do you often find is the take up of um, some of these lottery schemes that that you've been putting in place, and how do you you know get the message out there about the fact that this is what you're doing? It's a very good question, eh? So I mean, people talk a lot about crowdfunding, but uh, the, the difficulty is having a crowd. So we have a, we have a, a call center that uh, phone people. So every day, you know, our call center agents are phoning people all over the country and asking them to buy tickets. And so that's the kind of primary platform. Um, and then we obviously market these two competitions on all our social media uh, you know, platforms through Facebook or Twitter or whatever um, and through our webpage. Mm. So, and then I think what people miss really is that your service is probably the best marketing opportunity you have. So as you've correctly said, you, know, you see those red and yellow boats out there. You see them doing the work they do. That's probably our best you know, adverts that we have are the volunteers and the service that they provide. And 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 I know that this the, this question that I'm about to ask next may not be fully within your your ambit or in the ambit of 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 the work that you do. But in terms of some of the rules that govern the fundraising lottery um, scheme, what are they? I mean, who do you have to be registered with in order to be able to do the work that you're doing? Yeah, so unfortunately, um, from a fundraising point of view and a lottery point of view, the the National Lotteries Commission are there. So, you know, right in the beginning, we kind of met with them and they and they guide you on the process. So they can, you know, give you advice on, on how to do this. But, I mean, to run a, a lottery, then, you know, you register with them and, and then every year you make an application by more or less November in the year and then they approve your lottery for the next year. So th- there's kind of a quite a lot of planning that goes into that. Uh, and the usual admin and you know mm. application process, and then they approve your lottery, and then you you get on with it in the in the next year. Mm. On on average, how many people would you say you've been able to um, to to convince to be part of these uh, fundraising lottery schemes? So at the moment, our donor database is probably about a hundred thousand donors. Wow! So you sure. know, relative to the population, it's quite small, but. I mean, for a small, you know, non-profit company like ourselves, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a substantial donor base of, of people, and, and those are mainly, mainly individual donors. So, you know, the majority of those are actually individuals mm-hmm. who buy tickets or donate, in fact, in their mind, you know, 25 rand a month, um, every month in, in a debit order. Uh, the car competition tickets are a little bit more expensive. I think they're about 750 rand at the moment or slightly more. So, um, but they're all individual donors, and I think so. It's those, you know, hundred thousand individuals that really fund this national service, mm. which is quite incredible. And and are you able to keep a track record in terms of how long uh, some of your donors have been with you for? <laughs> yeah, so we've got a donor database. I mean, some of them have probably been there for mm. you know all fifty-four years, or as long as the competitions have been running. They've been running since the mid nineties. So, for example, I've been a donor to CSQ since then, so mm. I was recruited early. Mm. <laughs> In fact, I'm still making donations, even though I can't win anything. Yeah. So. 
So, so I, I guess in, in, in many respects also it's about um, getting people to be able to identify with the cause that you represent. Because I think that once there's that personal conviction over a, a, a certain issue, then it's not that hard to convince people to continue giving to it. Correct. I mean, so, you know, a lot of the donors might be boaters or people that use the water. Mm. But then from an education point of view, I think most people in South Africa understand that, you know, children are a very vulnerable group in terms of drowning prevention. And so those educational and survival swimming initiatives, you know, people identify with that. Um, You know, to lose 600 children a year to drowning is a major problem. So I think anybody, you know, if they could, would contribute to preventing that from happening. Mm. And so that's you know, that, that contribution goes towards sustaining those programs as well. And I think people, you right, they identify with a cause uh, and they give because of that. And, and in terms of the actual work that you do, what would you say the impact of COVID-19 has been on your work? So fortunately, from an operational point of view, we, we continued more or less operations normal. And, and from a medical point of view, obviously, from medical evacuations from ships at sea, that accelerated. So in the first half of last year, we did as many medical evacuations as we would have done in a year. So it was double. I think the tally for last year was about 83 uh, ship medical evacuations. So the operational work continued because, of course, industry at sea, despite tourism and beaches being closed, all the fishing industries and the maritime industries you know, continued as a backbone of the economy. So, you know, and those people obviously now and again get into difficulty and need to be rescued like anybody else. Mm. Uh, and now after COVID, obviously there's a rebound. So <laughs> more people are going to the beach than went before. And so, you know, we've seen an acceleration in incidents now in the, in the last couple of months as people have gone back to the beaches and back to the sea. Mm. And when you think about, you know, your objectives as an organization, what would you say that the fundraising mechanism has played in order to help you achieve um, those objectives? Sure. So, I mean, you know, those lotteries that we run at the moment fund, you know, 80% of the revenue that we get is through those competitions. So it's a substantial part of the business. And it funds the national programs, those national programs that we run. So, you know, the more than 40, almost 50 now bases along the coastline and inland, and then all the, you know, water safety educators that we have across the country and the survival swimming program, we're funding a really a national strategic service in South Africa. And so all mm-hmm. that funding goes to that service. Um, obviously, we invest in capital um, projects along the way as well. So we have, we live in buildings. We you know we use boats, and we build everything in South Africa so that that money goes you know directly back into the South African economy and helps mm. the create for the creation of jobs and all those things in South Africa as well. How how did you first find out about the um, the the fundraising schemes? Is it something that you knew about, or was it just something you discovered as as you uh, tried to extend you know the, the possibilities and the options of where you could secure funding from? Sure. So I mean, with the advent of the the Lotteries Act, you know, and the evolution of of, of lotteries, we actually met with the National Lotteries Commission, and then they guide you through the process. Um, and then later on, they establish local offices. So we have an office here in Cape Town at the moment, which is convenient for us. So, you know, we can have meetings with local people and submit the documentation locally. So it just makes the process uh, much easier. And how did you find the process? 
No, it's very. I mean, it's a simple administrative process. So you know, you you like the the grant application documents for lottery is the same. You know, you fill in forms and things. You obviously have to satisfy certain conditions and things in the in the, the completion of those forms and certain thresholds and put up and things. Uh, but it's a very easy process to submit documentation. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not a complicated process at all. And and uh, uh, are you considering taking up more options in terms of uh, the fundraising lottery schemes that 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 you've been running? <laughs> Maybe a two more competitions, a house competition to go with the two cars that one could potentially win. <laughs> it's an option. So you know the, the the two lotteries that we run are quite big lotteries. So mm. I mean, but I mean, you could run lotteries in much smaller kind of sections, or run a weekly or a monthly. So I mean, there are other opportunities to run further lotteries, um, and so other charities. You know, it's a good idea. You. Could, you could start small and then build your lotteries. And I think that's the other thing is, you know, these competitions have grown over 20 or more years. They, they didn't happen overnight. So mm. it's like any business, you start small and you build it gradually, step by step. And I, and I think, you know, for any other charity, that's the advice I would give. You know, start um, and then build your, your lottery or build your competition as time goes on. And, you know, Dr. Cleve, just, just before I let you go, many NGOs actually struggle with issues of fundraising. And uh, I just want to know, what advice would you have for them? Uh, because you seem to be navigating this, this water, these waters quite well. So, I mean, the first piece of advice was that, you know, you need a diverse range of fundraising activities. So don't depend on a single donor. So, you know, major donors are very difficult to come by nowadays. So people that give you 20 million rand or 10 million rand, you know, even from the National Lotteries Commission, if they if they do give you a grant, it, it won't be, you know, in the millions. Mm. So you need a diverse range and not from a single donor. Use, you know, events, use legacies and requests corporate fundraising, individual relationships with corporates, and then the lotteries obviously is a is a further option. And you, as I said, you can begin small and grow those lotteries with time so that they can actually become big competitions and generate substantial revenue for yourself. And, and how do you build the relationship with particular communities? Because I imagine that, um, you know, you need to have some form of relationship, not just uh, communities that are confined to a particular location, but rather just people who believe in the same thing as you do. Correct. So, I mean, it's very easy in relation to our rescue stations because they, they live and work in local communities and they operate out of those communities. But, you know, getting, for example, to the broader population in relation to our drowning prevention is a, a lot more difficult. So we're we communicating, you know, social media, in the media, through vernac- different vac- vernacular language so that mm. we can get to everybody on the ground. I think you will recognize that in South Africa, you know, not everybody lives in a in a city and not everybody speaks English or you know some of the mainstream languages and you actually have to get to rural communities in a language of their choice and often it's by radio that's why we're on the radio now radio penetrates more in terms of a South African community than television or any other media social Mm. media you know people don't have access to computers and and cell phones even so the radio is a very important medium Um, but often you have to use the right language to be able to get to them so we're using that now all over the place, um, particularly, as I say, in a drowning prevention sense, you know, trying to get to communities across South Africa and particularly rural populations because most drowning in South Africa is in, you know, freshwater, in rivers, dams, ponds, in rural areas. Mm. Uh, and we, so we, we need to get to those people to try and prevent, you know, all those people from drowning. 
Dr. Cleve Robertson is the CEO of the National Sea Rescue Institute. And uh, of course, he's been talking to us about his organization and the work that they're doing in communities, but also, I suppose, creating awareness about um, the issue of the fundraising lotteries schemes. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be back with more after this. 